Hi everyone, Ilana here. The next three chapters we're going to look at seem to deviate from the themes that we've been seeing since the beginning of chapter 40 on consolation, on Nechama, and spend time now quite harshly on the sins of the people and the need to do Teshuvah. Um, very possibly. We'll see how that works um, at, towards the end of this chapter. Um, so these three chapters of, of 57, 58, 59 really are looking at tochecha, the kriya lechuva, this idea of, of rebuke and a call to teshuva. That's the theme that it's given in on the 929 website if you take a look. Um, and as I said, the um, since chapter 40, we've really been deep in the concepts of nechama, of consolation, of encouragement, of an attempt by God and the people to rebuild a relationship. And what we've understood is that this is possibly being said by a prophet who's talking during the time of the end of the Babylonian exile and the time of returning to Zion, a time when idolatry was not the main sin, if one may put it that way. And um, indeed, at this time, we're talking while there is idolatry going on, um, certainly by the time of the Persians, and we're looking at polytheism, we're looking at Zoroastrianism, which is the worship of two gods, one of good, one of evil. Um, it's not the same as the idolatry that is described in earlier times during the first temple period. And we'll see this now coming up, though, in the second part of Yeshayahu, which is quite surprising given what we understand this to be, if we understand this to be at a later time. It seems that Yeshayahu takes a complete step backwards, going all the way back um, to a time when the nation was indeed steeped in idolatry of the most primitive kind. This idea actually begins already in chapter 56 towards the end um, and then moves on into chapter 57. Um, 57 beginning with the idea of the death of a tzaddik. Um, it says, HaTzaddik avad ve'en ish sam alev. The righteous man perishes and no one considers, no one cares. We seem to be in a world which um, is a place of such cruelty of such selfishness that no one cares if a tzaddik dies. It's possible that the tzaddik here is the, is the person that Eva had mentioned in uh, chapter 53. It's a person who gives of himself to the people, um, who carries on his shoulders all the sins of the people, um, and yet he slips away without anyone noticing because the people are completely involved in their own um, selfish desires. So weirdly enough, within the, in the middle of a rebuilding of the relationship between the people and God, the Navi paints a picture of the people on the lowest of all levels, which we really can see from uh, verse 3 onwards. The people are called B'nai Onena, the, the, the sons of a sorceress, um, adulterers, um, the offspring of adultery. And we are back at looking at Israel as the harlot. Um, which we've meant, which has been mentioned before. So not the widow, not the bereaved mother, um, but rather the harlot who um, will sleep with any other god, as it were. And not only that, but when by the time we come to um, verse five, we have child sacrifice, which of course is the lowest of the low when it comes to idolatry. Um, you inflame yourselves among the terebinth trees, um, under every leafy tree. You slaughter the children in the wadis among the clefts of the rocks. 
So it's a really harsh, harsh statement of the state of the people in a, in a place that seems very, very far from what we've been discussing up until now. And um, we're the, as we said, the, the language is incredibly harsh. And what is the result then in verse 12? I will pronounce judgment now on you. You, your idols won't help you. Um, they won't save you when you cry out. What will happen um, in verse 13? So this is a really interesting verse which changes halfway through. Um, your idols will not save you when you cry out. They shall be carried off by the wind, snatched away by the breeze. They are so insubstantial. Of course, they won't help you. But, and suddenly there's a turn in the verse, those who trust in me will inherit the land and will possess my holy mountain. So suddenly, again, an unexpected and surprising turnaround, um, which then goes forward and the whole chapter changes now. Um, with in verse 14 now, Vamar Solo Solo Pinu Derech Harimo Michshol Miderech Ami. Hashem says now, build up a highway, clear a road, remove all the obstacles from the road of my people um, so that you can come back. Um, which is, as I said, really interesting because this idea of a voice calling out and saying, build up a highway, refers us really back to the first chapter of the second part of Yeshayahu, to chapter 40, which says, Kol midbar panu Hashem, make a road, as someone, a voice calls out from the um, midbar, from the, de from the desert, make a road for Hashem, a highway for the people to come back on. And so the Navi reiterates that there and talks again about a highway without obstacle that allows the people to come back. Um, and what this really is talking about um, and the, the conversation that's really going on perhaps beneath all these chapters um, that's, that's continuing throughout is one that's discussing what comes first, redemption or teshuvah. In other words, do the people have to return to God and then God returns to them uh, and brings redemption? Or is there a redemption that can take place without Teshuvah? And in this chapter, the Navi seems to be of the opinion that says, you're so far away, I will make the, take the first step. I will make the road for you to come back on. I will clear the obstacles. You've been way too far away. You don't have to do any tzedakah or mishpat. No matter how far away or low you've been, um, I will do so. And the answer comes in, um, um, well, first in, uh, uh, sorry, I've lost the place because I'm on the wrong page. In verse 6, um, Hashem says, Ki lo le'olam ariv, I will not always fight with you. I will not be angry forever. Um, I can't be angry forever, says God. I have to allow you to come back to me. And even though you've left me so far behind, says God, I will turn back to you. I punished you, but now I will bring you back. And um, verse Yud Tet 19 is a beautiful verse that says, Bore nivsfataim shalom shalom la rachok la karov amaradunai urfativ. 
It's a verse that most uh, translations have trouble with. Bore nivsvataim, who creates the words of the lips. Um, peace, peace to those who are far, to those who are near, says Hashem, and I will heal them. Um, and in this case, and, and the Malbim references this, is that what we're referring to is that the people are so far away that Hashem needs to create something. He needs to create that first sound that comes out of the mouth, the sound that says, forgive me. And um, that's perhaps what's happening here, is that in other chapters, we have a certain amount of ability of the people to act. Dirshu Hashem, seek Hashem. We can get up and we can seek Hashem. But in this chapter, when we're so far down and so far away, um, that in order to reach just that stage of Teshuvah, we have to have help. So Hashem has to create the sound that we can use to come back. And that sound is possibly the word Shalom from Shlemut. In other words, completion, coming back from coming back Shalem to Hashem. It could be peace, of course. And it's for those who are far and those who are near. And the chapter then ends by going back to the Rashaim. So it began with the Tzaddik who has died, and we go back to the Rashaim, the uh, uh, wicked people, saying, but there will be those who cannot come back. Um, they won't be able to come back. And we end with, Ein Shalom Amar Elohai L'Rashaim, that Hashem says there is no, we often translate it, there's no peace for the wicked. There's no possibility of Shleimut for the wicked. Um, whereas the, it is available for those who seek it or those who even just open their lips for Hashem to place that statement in them, uh, whether near or far. And on that somewhat uplifting note, have a wonderful day.